Welcome back to Not Just a Nurse Podcast. You're here with Nurse Jax and another wonderful guest. We're here with Dr. Duane and Nurse Sarah. So we're going to talk to them both because they're married and they both had the vaccine. And we want to just we want to just kind of explore what it is that made them take it in the first place, how what's their experience been like with COVID, so forth and so on. So you guys can get a chance to introduce yourselves. So I don't know who want to go first. I think the nurse should go first. So nurse Sarah, let's hear you first. Hi, my name is Sarah Bryan. I'm an advanced practice nurse. I have a master's in nurse anesthesia, otherwise known as a nurse anesthetist or a CRNA. I've been a nurse now I've been a CRNA for 16 years. I've been a nurse for about 19 years total. Wow, very impressive. What about you, Dr. Duane? So I'm Dr. Duane Bryan. I'm the lesser half, but uh, I'm a cardiologist uh, who's been in practice for about 16 years now. It's hard to actually say that, but yeah, it's been 16 years. I actually did primary care for two years before doing a cardiology fellowship, but I've been in practice in cardiology for 16 years. Oh, cool. So tell us about your journey, Sarah. What made you become a nurse? Well, my mom was a nurse. I found kind of, I went to, when I started school for my bachelor's, I went to pre-law and I wasn't really liking, didn't really like my courses. And, you know, once you get to like your sophomore year, you have to pick a major. And just Mm -hmm. because my mom was a nurse, I was like, oh, I could do nursing. And that's how I ended up you know, graduating with the bachelor's at that time and, and for practicing as a nurse. Okay. And Duane, what was your professional experience with nurses? And, you know, of course, have nurses shaped your personal life? Um, yeah. I mean, really, I've been surrounded by nurses. My, my mother was a, a nurse for many years before she retired. I have other family members who are either licensed practice nurses or RNs. Of course, I married a nurse. Uh, my mother-in-law is a nurse. And, oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I've, You're I've really kind of surrounded been... <laughs> by nurses, huh? So you are you're probably yeah. one of the best doctors out there. <laughs> <laughs> Most, mostly for the better. No, but in all seriousness, though, I think kind of conversations about the hospital environment and nursing kind of did kind of shape my interest in medicine and then my interest in science as well, just kind of you know, both sort of coalesced in, in terms of me going into uh, into medicine. I do think that been being surrounded by nurses and hearing a nursing perspective definitely sort of shapes kind of how I interact with patients and sort of my view of medicine in general, maybe different from other physicians, because I see that perspective that maybe other doctors don't, you know, don't really get. And that's an interesting perspective because right now, you know, we have a lot of residents on the floor and and they actually look to the nurses to kind of like, hey, can you help me find this vein? Hey, can you help me start this IV stuff that you probably don't really focus on in medical school? So I do understand that, you know, I think that perspective is important because it gets you closer to the patients, actually. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So let's talk about the big C word. So now COVID, COVID has been going around for like, now we are in this big pandemic, right? So tell me how has COVID changed your life as healthcare providers? Well, so I have to say the first go around with COVID in March, I 
was furloughed, which means I wasn't working because they shut down all elective cases, which was the first time in my career that I had no work. Second time around, now I'm full time. And I'm fortunate that where I work is what they're calling a COVID-free hospital. So all patients are tested. The ones that test positive, they transfer them up to the bigger hospital. But I mean, I think it affects me in my day-to-day life is, you know, now I'm wearing the N95, the mask on top of it, the face shield, the gown, you know, everything. You leave exhausted. You have a headache from having this on all day. I have coworkers now around me who are turning up positive. So it's just, there's an anxiety. Right. I find that I'm very anxious when I go in now. Yeah. And rightfully so. I find the same thing. And what right. about you, Dr. Brian? Um, no, I mean, this year has been like no other in, in my practice. I've been working throughout the whole COVID experience. I have a, you know, outpatient and inpatient practice. So I see my patients that are admitted to the hospital. So in my hospital, during the peak of COVID, we were helping out doing hospital admissions. And so I I was in the midst of it during, you know, in March and April. And just everything's different. Just the whole experience of not interacting with family members of patients, dealing with sick patients who don't have that family support. And, you know, you kind of have to bridge that gap. And it's, it's still not the same, but seeing people die essentially alone in the office, same thing as well, too. People come into the office and my practice is different because as a result of COVID, people are now, you know, leaning more towards, well, we're doing televisits at, at one point, but even without televisits now, there's a lot of phone communication and patients who are in the rooms by themselves, yeah. you know, have their family members on the phone. So when you're seeing the family member, they can listen in on the conversation to kind of supplement that, you know. There goes that HIPAA. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's, it's people who are HIPAA clear to be in there, oh, but okay. you're right. But it takes some adjustment too, because as a physician, you're not used to having that kind of communication with someone having their phone up in your face so that you can talk and a, and a family member listening in. I've had a couple of people ask if they could actually record a conversation, which I, I know I nixed oh, that. That's not, that's not uh, allowed. I don't think, but yeah, they've even asked us in the hospital too. Can they record? And, you know, honestly, you don't know what they're doing on the other end. Right. And a lot of patients, family members have been recording the nurses and it's a little violating yeah. sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think I get it and I see, I understand why patients may want that, but I think there's a line that it crosses where, I don't think I'm comfortable with that. But beyond that, I mean, we we have sort of sort of bent the normal way of practice to kind of we've sort of um, adopted to the realities of COVID by using some of these telehealth measures, but also, you know, being more allowing of things like talking to patient uh, family members by phone during a visit, you know, and, and trying to make things work that way. It's just hard to be a patient right now. I, just, I actually really feel bad in a lot of ways because even when you come for surgery, you know, you're just getting dropped off in front of a hospital and your loved one can't come in, can't be with you. Right. You, know, you don't see them until, you know, you're getting picked up. I had like an 18 year old kid the other day and he's 18 and he's by himself in the hospital. He's like, my mom is outside in the car. Wow. It's just, you know, it's just not right. 
that mom must have felt horrible. Like, I, I know yeah. if my kids are going for anything, I want to be right there the whole time. So, yeah, it is difficult to be a patient. You're absolutely right, Sarah. So, Dwayne, have you found that, um, is there any similarity or any commonality in the actual side effects from post-COVID patients? Like, have you seen anything that, you know, maybe you've seen in multiple patients after they have healed from COVID or developed COVID? Um, Definitely. You know, I think early on in the pandemic, there were people who were deniers who sort of said, oh, you know, COVID's just a flu. So what if I get sick? I'm just sick for a few days. And then, you know, what's the big deal? And I think what I saw early on in my practice, especially as a cardiologist was, you know, obviously you had people who were very sick and critically ill, some of whom didn't survive, but you also had people who had mild illness, but then you'd see them them in the office a month later and they had persistent symptoms you know, people would come in with shortness of breath and palpitations and, you know, their heart rate being very rapid with very limited exertion. That's probably the one Mm -hmm. thing as a cardiologist I've seen a lot of young, otherwise Mm -hmm. healthy people. My heart rate is 160 when I, you know, I walk up the stairs Mm -hmm. and I get tired easy. Mm -hmm. And so there's been a lot of that. and, And I think there's still things we're discovering about the effect of COVID that, we didn't realize from the beginning and even more reason people need to take it seriously because it's not necessarily a self-limited illness and you're, and you're fine, you know, right afterwards. So to both of you, so what are some of the things that you would tell people at home to do to stay healthy or to stay COVID free besides like the regular, you know, maybe wear your mask, but what are some of the other things that you think is important for people to know to do when they're home? I mean, it's, it's what we hear over and over again that we've been told, stay home. There's no reason, (laughs) there's no reason to be out partying, going out to restaurants, you know, keep your distance, stay home. You know, if you must see someone, see them outside, you know, six feet apart. Wash your hands, use hand sanitizer, wash your mask (laughs) if you're using a reusable one, you know, like a cloth one. It's like all the things that for some reason people are forgetting. Yeah, I find that the, the cases are going up again pretty rapidly. And I think that people are just tired of staying home and... And so that segue me into the next thing, like, you know, let's talk about the vaccine. You know, if you don't want to stay home and you don't want to be locked up, there's an option, right? So have you both taken the vaccine yet? We have. What do you think about it? You have. Have you taken both doses or just one dose? So I, I had my second dose last week. The week before, and then Dwayne had it this past week. Right. And I had the Pfizer vaccine, and Sarah had the no, we both had Pfizer, Pfizer as well. Yeah. yeah, both Pfizer vaccine. Okay. And so um, I had my first dose, mm-hmm. and I didn't, I got that arm tenderness for about yeah. two days. So I didn't get any symptoms. So, what about you guys? Did you have symptoms from the first dose? So the first dose, same thing. I just had the sore arm. Mm-hmm. The second dose, I had more symptoms. Okay, that's what everybody's saying. So can you t- talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah. So for me, I mean, Dwayne and myself, we had two totally different experiences. But with the second dose I had, I had the the soreness in my arm lasted probably an extra day. But I'd say probably like eight hours after getting it, like I started to feel like I was in a fog, like I couldn't think clearly. And then I started to have chills. And then by the time I got home from work that night, I still felt chills, tired. And I had like a, I don't know, like a temperature of like 99. And that went on all the next day. And I just, I really just slept. And I wore like two sweaters and a hoodie around the house because I just was cold. But then by the mm-hmm. next morning, I was, you know, so I'd say what, a day and a half? Mm-hmm. And then I was totally fine. Yeah. What I about just, you, Dr. Duane? I had, <laughs> I literally had nothing. I was at home like eight hours later, like waiting for it to kick in. <laughs> and like <laughs> you were prepared i was prepared and nothing happened i went to bed that night thinking i was gonna like wake up with a fever and i woke up the next morning i'm like oh i'm i'm fine he was pretty fortunate like mo like my department we had a lot of sick calls because of it yeah the second dose a lot of people were not feeling well yeah, yeah. But, but really i mean from I've, I've heard the whole spectrum i've had people that were like me that had nothing i had okay. people that had you know fever and but really no one that had any kind of extended yeah. symptoms or significant you know issue that would would change anyone's mindset about getting the vaccine right like to me it was more of a nuisance it wasn't anything that said i made a wrong choice right. because i would rather have gone through that than right. get covid and it was also expected i mean <laughs> they, they warned everyone before this is what you're going to feel it's a sign that the vaccine's actually working the yeah. fact that you're having these symptoms and so, to be honest, I was almost hoping or looking for a, a symptom to kind of show me that the vaccine was kind of, you know, Working. kicking, so to speak. Right. So anyone having symptoms shouldn't be discouraged that it's, you know, it's actually in some ways a positive if you have some of these effects. Did you ever have COVID? No, I never did. No. Did okay. You? And neither did you, Sarah? No, thankfully, no. Thankfully, great. So, so that's the whole thing. So do you think from a medical perspective, can someone get COVID after the vaccine? Um, What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, you cannot get COVID. Well, you cannot get COVID from the vaccine. You can get the vaccine and have gotten COVID either before you got the vaccine or around the time you were vaccinated where, and that's happened where people tested positive for COVID after they had the vaccine, but it wasn't as a result of the vaccine. It just so happened that That they they were in contact. Right. And infection around the time that they were getting the, the vaccine. So, and, and the illness again from the vaccine is a, is a immune system response. It's not a COVID illness and people need to understand that. But correct me if I'm wrong, the vaccine, I mean, I know, I think they have, there's different percentages. I know Pfizer is 95%. So 95%, it offers you some sort of protection, but they're not saying that you're not, you cannot get COVID. They're saying you can get it, but you may not be sick. Might make you sick, right? Right. So that's right. something to remember. It's not like, you know, it's this magic bullet that right. it's, you know, the end all be all. Right. And to Sarah's point, so if you get the vaccine, you still need to, you know, do social distancing. You still need to wear mm-hmm. the mask because, again, you may not get sick from the virus, but it is possible that you can carry, carry it. 
vaccine and expose other people. So that's an important mm-hmm. point is that getting the vaccine doesn't mean you can go run the streets. <laughs> right. Um, doesn't mean so, yeah. um, you're super hero right. now and right. oh, I'm invincible. Right. Yeah. You still hard to do all the, the things that everyone, you know, is supposed to be doing. Right. So for someone that's on the fence, right? Because a lot of, believe it or not, a lot of nurses have not taken the vaccine where I am. I would say 50% of my nurses did not take it. And right now, you know, the exposures are, it's ridiculous how many exposures are happening in the break rooms, you know, when people get a little comfortable with each other behind closed doors in the offices space, they take their masks down and boom, next week they're out sick. I don't know what else we are healthcare providers. We are on the front lines. Like, why do you think that they're so afraid to take the vaccine? I mean, I think historically, especially with people of color, there's mm-hmm. a lot of mistrust in the government with like vaccines. So I that I understand. But I, so what would you say to that? Like, what would you say to those people who are mistrusting? So we're all we're all people of color, right? Mm-hmm. On this call, so and and we've all taken it. So what would you say to them that are on the fence and they're waiting to see what happens to someone else? What would, what would be your, I mean, what I've said over and over again, I think I even said in this call as well, I would rather get this vaccine than face COVID without the vaccine. You know what I mean? Like COVID, like Dwayne had said earlier is, you know, you can get it. It can be like, oh, I had a mild case, but no one's really understanding what the long-term effects of COVID is on your body. And that's why I'm, I got as one of the first people to get, get the shot in my department. Yeah. yeah. You, you got it pretty early. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for be, your um, bravery. <laughs> <laughs> not to be political, but, you know, Sarah mentioned distrust in the, you know, in people of color, but I think also, our current political environment. I think the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, the car- recent, well, I guess current administration still, because they didn't take it seriously, you know, I think people just are not trusting of the whole COVID response and the vaccine feeling as if it was rushed and maybe rushed for political reasons to try to get it out there. And there's there's just a lot of, you know, the way everything sort of developed, people don't feel comfortable with. I'm hoping that as of January 20th with a new administration. And again, not to be political, but there's definitely a different sense of serious urgency. Mm-hmm. Exactly, urgency about the vaccine process that maybe people will kind of turn around and realize that we're in it together and, you know, we, we got to do it. Yeah. And, you know, actually, I'm glad you said that because I tried to make an appointment for my mom because now she is over 70 and she's out in the streets sometime, you know, getting her groceries or whatever. And I'm nervous because I don't want her to get sick. Right. So I try to get an appointment for her and it was so hard. Like I was up, I would wake up at two or three in the morning and say, maybe if I get it on, maybe if I try at this time of night, I would get it. So for a long time, like from it started, I tried to get an appointment and she, and I couldn't get one for her. And finally, today, I tried and I got one and I felt like I hit the jackpot. No. 
Wow. Yeah, because we, we've tried and we've been unable to get one for my mother. She's 84 years old as well. Yeah, it's it's hard. I, I, I CCC, which is a church, a mm-hmm. large, it's a large church in, in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Yes. They actually, they had their service this morning. They put out a website for you to go on. I think it was Soma's. And that website was where I got my mother's appointment. And I did it so quick after I saw that. (laughs) Like, I'm not taking any chances. And I was able to get her an appointment for tomorrow. But if I hadn't seen that this morning, I mean, we were scrambling. They were like the end of February, no appointment. So the website is somovaccination.com. S-O-M-O-S vaccination.com. And that was the site that I was able because that church now will be one of the sites given the vaccine. That's fantastic. Well, you probably just crashed the website. (laughs) I just probably crashed the website. (laughs) But you know what? I'm I I was so happy because I'm worried about my mom. You know, I wouldn't want her. I already lost one parent. I don't want to lose another one. So you know, it's, it's just really like serious. And I'm just so excited that both of you are here. You're still living, you're still alive. Everything is still (laughs) working in perfect condition and we've taken it, you know? So I hope, you know, others hear this and just kind of just take the vaccine to protect themselves. Because like Sarah said, the alternative is that you get COVID and the way that the numbers are going up, that's probably what's going to happen. And honestly, we're, I mean, we're generally cautious and we haven't really been going out through this and we still won't to a large degree, but at least. Right. Not until we have some kind of. Yeah. Now we can at least envision the thought of, you know, maybe going to a restaurant if under the right circumstances, Uh, Whereas before it wasn't even a consideration, but that's the whole point of getting the vaccine is that there's at least, you know, a certain level of protection to where now we all need to get it and we all need to get it to reach herd immunity to where then, yeah, we can all go to restaurants. But for right now, it's still something we got to be careful about. So the last thing, a lot of people are very confused about the, the vaccine being an mRNA vaccine. Do you have any information about that? That you'd like to share? Well, no, I mean, it's the, the vaccine process for the most part is similar to what it had been just sort of accelerated, except, you know, in this particular instance, they're using uh, mRNA. So they're actually basically injecting you with genetic code, basically for the <laughs> virus. And then your body basically uses that genetic material to make a protein. And then your body makes an immune response to that protein. Um, Normally with vaccines, you're either getting injected with a protein from the virus or a live or deactivated part of the virus itself to make an immune response to. So this is just sort of, you're going back one step to where you're giving the person actually the the genetic material of the virus and then the steps from there sort of happens. But it's still the same idea. It's just somewhat different approach. And to be honest, though, the response to this vaccine in terms of the the efficacy sort of suggests that this approach may be the right idea because, you know, the 95% uh, 
efficacy rates are, you know, that's you don't see that with the flu virus and many other vaccines. So it actually may be the right approach. It's different, but it's effective. Yeah, and I think different is what people are afraid of. They're they just the status quo is okay, but anything, you know, they're afraid of change. I think that's where it boils down to. But this whole pandemic has forced us all to change. Yeah. We've yeah. never seen anything like this in our lifetime. Yeah. It's yeah. like Chris Rock said recently, he said, uh, you know, I don't know what's in Tylenol, but all I know is it cures my headache, so I'm taking it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I say I say it all the time. People will drink all kinds of alcohol and smoke all <laughs> kinds of weed and smoke all kinds of things from people that they don't know, but they won't take a vaccine that has been proven to work. Right. And yeah, actually, it seems a little backwards <laughs> to me. Sarah said this to me the other day that a coworker of her, you know, made a comment about Botox that if you look on the package insert for Botox and the side effects and the potential issues with it, you know, people don't hesitate to get their Botox to look good. They but, sure don't. You know, mm-hmm. but a vaccine and this setting, taking something that they don't know how it works, they have issues with. But Botox, no problem. Yeah. Right. Or or, you know, the implants, no yeah. problem. Anything else, yeah. Yeah. But I, I definitely appreciate you guys taking a, a busy time out of your Sunday to um, talk with me. And I really hope that this makes a difference in one life. If it even makes a difference in one life, I'm okay with that. But we're hoping to end this pandemic somehow, some way, by any means necessary. We just have to get the word out there. I think people just lack information and it's causing them to be afraid. That's great. And thanks for having this forum. Thank you. This is great. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in with Nurse Jacks at Not Just a Nurse Podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to Buzzsprout, Apple, and Spotify. Send your requests and your questions for a chat with Jax. Be safe out there. Yeah.